Hello and welcome to the Being Forces Friendly podcast. I'm your host Kate and this month we're talking about military networks. Today I'm joined by David Andrews from DHL, Stephen Lee from HSBC and Mark Miller from Rolls-Royce. Thank you for joining me today. So the topic for this month's podcast is all about how to start, grow and maintain a military network within your organisation. So I think the best way to kick off this discussion is for each of you to describe what a military network looks like within your business. Thanks. So um, I'm David, David Andrews. Uh, I was in the Royal Marines for, for eight years um, and left, leave, left in 1996. And since then, I've worked in a third party logistics company and currently work for DHL. Um, I established the Armed Forces Covenant within our organisation. Um, I was aware that the MOD was trying to make contact with us in a number of different ways, but didn't really know who to talk to. Um, and therefore, I established the network. I think the network in our organisation is, is really th- uh, built on um, th- a small number of work streams with specific aims, and those work stream leads then filter out to the rest of our organisation. So there are three key work streams. One of them is recruitment, um, and their objective is to ease the process for serving personnel to join our organisation. The second work stream is around reservists, um, and their purpose is to ensure the reservists are able to simultaneously manage two careers without any disadvantage to themselves. And the third cornerstone is, is around our corporate social responsibility. And the person leading that work stream coordinates all our fundraising activities for forces charities. So the work stream leads really engage a variety of personnel throughout our organisation, from recruiting managers to fundraisers and through reservists. And through those people, they then build that network and extend the tentacles further on. And it, we have found that it just builds uh, self-building um, and the word spreads. But really, the network is around three cornerstones uh, and those work stream leads building on that. Perhaps um, similar to David, um, in the company that I work in, and I'm Stephen Lee, I work for HSBC, um, we, I launched the military network within HSBC, establishing it at the point at which we signed the Armed Forces Covenant um, in late 2013. And it was the, the signing of the Covenant that gave us the incentive uh, to consider it wider engagement across HSBC as a company in the UK workforce specifically. Um, I felt it was necessary uh, to create uh, the substance of, of a network to allow employees to engage and become active, to understand what the Covenant is about, to understand how the bank uh, can, can support its pledges within the Covenant. And ideally, and perhaps more importantly, um, look for business benefit in, in doing so. Um, and so it was me and a couple of mates. It's as simple as that. You know, massive company, employee engagement promoted quite extensively to the, to the workforce, as you would expect, uh, with all kinds of different networks established. But there was a big gap uh, with, the, with the military community. There's a strong military community within financial services, within HSBC being a British bank. Um, it's not surprising that there are a lot of veterans and, and reservists employed by the company. So it was, a, it was odd to me that there was no employee network, um, but there's a Chinese network or a, 
um, agenda networking, and, and on we go. Um, and so me and a couple of mates, pals who, who are veterans like me, uh, decided we'd do something about it. And so we created a simple strategy, uh, which was underpinned by uh, what we believed was important out of the out of the covenant. And on that basis, we launched the military network. It's really that simple. You, you pin it to a business outcome. You think about a little plan and a couple of ideas on what you want to do. And you get a senior leader to pat you on the back and tell you to get on with it. And that's my experience of creating the military network. So the good thing is uh, these two guys have actually answered my questions for me. Um, my name's Mark Miller. I'm from Rolls-Royce Defence Aerospace, um, based out of Bristol. Um, what I recognised when I joined the company five years ago, again, um, from the forces, is that we weren't doing much in this space. And our split business, the other half of our defence business, is in the US, do a lot. And the US support their veterans massively. So I engaged with our local units to find out what we could do and how we could do it. And that's how the network came about, recognising the fact that we have lots of experienced tradespeople who are ex-service people in Rolls-Royce um, and their families, uh, and, and how can we actually embrace them and, and give them some form of community within, within our business. And again, as simple as that, um, I also look to a, a senior leader to get sponsorship, and that really hit home when we were awarded ERS Silver and we're working towards gold, but actually there was a tangible prize that you know, it means more to uh, the people that won it than, than the company, if I'm honest with you. We're not interested in the prize, it's about the people. But it's something tangible and it raises awareness. And I'm exploiting that now to work towards gold, but using the network and developing it to do so. Okay, I think you hit on the point there. So um, military networks, um, who are they for within your organisation? Are they just for service leavers, reservists, or does it go beyond that? Well, if, if I was very parochial and thought it could only be for, for veterans, I couldn't launch um, a, a military network in HSBC, uh, and quite rightly so. And so the, the point of view from my company's perspective is if you're going to launch a, an employee network, yeah. then it's got to be inclusive of anybody and everybody that wishes to join it. And so, luckily, that's a, that was our starting point anyway in HSBC. Clearly, there's lots of veterans, reservists and adult cadet instructors who are engaged. But also, there are wives, uh, there are friends, there are people who just respect the military mm -hmm. and, and they want to get behind what we do and potentially change the bank. In, in, in certain ways, and that's what we've managed to do. So it's not exclusive, it's absolutely inclusive. It has to be inclusive, right. um, because not least also, that's representative of the workforce. But other people come up with great ideas, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and it's quite right that you that you get them involved and give them a voice and allow them to get behind your purpose. Okay. Do you share that as well? Um, I think the... Uh, we don't have a network as such where people are joining and leaving. Mm -hmm. You are not a member of the network or not a member of the network. And people touch uh, and join and leave or make contact with us uh, constantly. Um, and it's not just within DHO. I mean, the, the purpose of the DHO Armed Forces Network is as much for those leaving the forces than it is as it is for our organisation. So it, it, the benefit is not just for for our organisation. So it, it's it's externally it's for people leaving, trying to join, for recruiting managers, mm -hmm. for all those people that want to raise money. We help them for our reservists. We help them. So it, it's for a variety of, of of people, and it's for the 
whole organisation as well for those intangible benefits of um, esprit de corps and making people feel valued as part of their employee engagement. So I don't think it's easy to answer who's it for. It's almost for everybody, yeah. both internally and externally, whoever whoever it needs to be for at that particular point in time. Okay. I would echo that. I mean, it's it's given a label of a, of a network, but actually it's a community. Yeah. And it's not just about people in our business who are service leavers joining Rolls-Royce. It is their families, cadet leaders, and a whole host of people. It's people who raised money for charity. Mm-hmm. And how do we highlight the good things they're doing within our own workforce? We've got 22,000 people in across our businesses in the UK. If I can reach out to each one of those mm-hmm. then and, and engage with them and understand what they're doing, then that's a very powerful message we can send to the people we support. And also, some people who may leave the forces and join industry or you know, get a new job, whatever, who are finding it very difficult. And that's, diff- that's, that's the bit where it really matters. It's, it's helping them you know, sort of engage and, and recognise the fact that they're doing a good thing. And I think leveraging off uh, the points that, that um, Mark and David have just made, I think they're really important points in terms of if you're, if you're inclusive of, of everybody, you, you will get senior leader buy-in because it makes sense for them. To, to support you. Um, if you're exclusive, you're, you're going to dismiss people, mm-hmm. and that's not what any company would want. That would be a massive mistake. You, you won't start the network. The network is no. blunt as soon as it starts. So it's got to be inclusive. And then the scope of the network, I agree. You know, it's, it's about engaging employees that work for you um, because you want them to become more committed and potentially more emotionally attached to the mm-hmm. company with which they work. Um, increases employee satisfaction and, and has business benefit as a direct result. That's clear. But if you can also, by doing so, affect positively the communities within which you operate, uh, then that's where you make a strategic impact mm-hmm. uh, that potentially some some other networks can't can't necessarily achieve because the military is interwined across the whole of the United Kingdom communities. Um, whether that be the how many million veterans there are to, to, to reservists and families. I remember uh, an event that we did, just to ex- highlight the point, um, about two years ago or so, when Chief of Defence people came in to chat uh, to certain people in the employee network. And a wife, uh, a, 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 an RAF serviceman's wife was in the audience. Um, she was a HSBC um, worker. And she challenged... Uh, the, the the general quite strongly just on um, her her situation with certain married quarters and, and things like that. The network enabled her to connect directly with the top of defence, and that's really quite powerful. It's really powerful. It gave her a voice. Really, Absolutely, didn't uh, she would not necessarily have got, you know, well, or that visibility no. in, in ordinary circumstances, and uh, and that was powerful to me. Because it then made me appreciate the fact that if you get this network right, if you include everybody, including wives mm-hmm. and, and whoever else, dependents, which are vitally important, then the network will, will, will grow just as a have its own momentum yeah. because its purpose will just become self-reinforcing. So I, I agree with my colleagues here. Absolutely. So for those listening um, to this podcast and they want to know, they're, they're thinking there's a requirement within my organisation to, to develop and establish a, a, a military network. Where do they start? What, what's the, the first principles, really, of setting up a network? Um, I think from my perspective, 
I benchmark from other companies. So I went to a number of events, especially DRM events, um, and spoke to people about how they did it. Because there's no point in reinventing the wheel. We all learn that while we're yeah. serving. Um, and so I copied and I learned. And, and it's about having absolutely key to it is identifying where your nucleus should start from. If, the old saying, if you build it, it will grow. Mm-hmm. And so it started with me, you know, um, and then I reached out to a few people, of course, who, who I knew were ex-service people. Um, and it just developed from there. Then we got some governance and some recognition. Um, and then when I started, I used our sites to host events for charities and, and uh, raising awareness of the reservists and recruitment events. So that also then brings people in and gains interest. It's yeah. not just about speech and rhetoric. It's about physically showing what young men and women are doing, and in fact older men and women are doing as well really, in their spare time and the benefits it can bring. So you, having people in uniform on site demonstrating their shiny kit and, and showing the benefits to both uh, leaders and the workforce, because the, the mutual benefits across the piece um, really gave me more impetus. Yeah. In, in, I, I agree. Be- benchmark with other mil- military networks. Also, within within HSBC, as other big companies, there are the, the there are gold standard networks. You know, such as LGBT, mm-hmm. um, what we call embrace, which is BAME by another name or ethnic. Minorities or, or balance, which is gender focused. Those three in particular are massive in, in HSBC and rightly so. And, and whilst I agree, I went to other examples of, of good military networks and other companies. I also chatted to colleagues in in these other three internal networks that that were having a major global effect across across the company. Um, just to learn h- how they did it, how they continue to do it, and. And how they maintain success, and I, I think if you if you look for other examples, take advice and guidance from people that have done well, you'll start to hear the same mm-hmm. guidance, the same messages come come out are relevant of whether the the network is supposed to fo- focused on a particular gender or 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 a particular military kind of um, subject. It, it's the same principles, but but so don't think about them yourself. No. Other people will tell you how to mm-hmm. do it. I think the, the first point is don't be frightened of starting. Mm-hmm. Um, you've, you've got to take that leap of faith. And I, I would never, you should not be frightened because within your organisation, there will be a lot of people that are supporting the armed forces. You're just probably not aware of them all at, the, at this point in time. I think the other thing is there's not a right or wrong way of doing it. There'll, there'll be a way and you'll learn as you go along. Um, my experience, I started by writing the Armed Forces Covenant, which gave me something tangible and something I could easily give to other people to share my vision. Um, I think if you have that vision, that's half half of your goal and you will achieve that. Um, I think uh, the other important point is use your contacts to find people that are like-minded. And there will be other people that are like-minded and will have a... Uh, benefit for um, jo- building that network within your organisation. So use those people and get some close allies to help build that whole infrastructure. I think the other important point is to use internal communication channels. I'm sure most organisations either have a, an internal Yammer group or chat groups or internal magazines. And that's an ideal forum for 
um, advertising what you are doing for money that's been raised and the benefit or for publishing the covenant. And one thing we did was we set up a website or an email address that people that are interested could email us and so we're aware of those details. We then established, we then held a, an open day forum for, for the people to come come along and understand what they were interested in doing and how they want what they would like to get out of the the, the military network. So don't don't be frightened to start it. Um, write the covenant so you've got a clear vision, and then look for allies uh, that will have a benefit from, from joining it and get them on board to help spread the message. Was it important to get senior buy-in for, for the network? It's it's not important. It's, it's not. vital. The yeah. the the because w- without senior level support, uh, I think you will struggle to gain to gain momentum for for understandable reasons. You know, it's taken you know probably a bit like you, Mark. You know, it's taken me some time within a company like HSBC to get the military network firmly established, well understood. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just part of starting to influence the culture of the uh, of of the company that I've been part of. It's taken me four years at this point in time. Um, that's fine, you know, and uh, absolutely fine. But unless you have a senior leader who's who's waving your flag and giving you encouragement and introducing you to the right people and, and giving you some direction, I think I think you'll it will just be a struggle and it will be slow. You share that view as well. I, I do absolutely, and, and I mean, I've I've now got um, our corporate social responsibility strategy, which this part of it is now included in our broader defence strategy. It's a pillar within that strategy itself, and it includes everything we talked about, including the forces charities and how we work with them. Because we were doing, as I said earlier, lots of good stuff, but in isolation. Yeah. And now we're trying to bring it together. So it's getting recognition. Yeah, you know. yeah. So yeah. What, now that that's been signed off and accepted, that's that gives me sort of you know a, a, a pass to go and and do more and having that support is absolutely vital because it is it, it, the seniors lead the business and therefore they will lead you in the right direction to get stuff done yes i i completely agree that the senior buy-in is, is is vital most importantly i think it's what's in it for them question mm. so when you yeah. go to engage with your senior leaders you need to be very clear on the business benefits so they can absolutely understand why you're doing this um, and, and what's in it for the organisation. And, and it may be something as intangible as employee engagement. might be something a lot more tangible about easing the recruitment process and bringing skills into our organisation, but very clear what's in it. I mean, I mean to me, uh, an, an, an employee military network is directly linked to the armed forces cover. Um, because the Armed Forces Covenant gives you the senior leader buy-in because yeah. somebody quite important signs it and usually gets a photograph taken with it. So they suddenly have advocacy. They have some element of responsibility onto it. And so, as, as you did, um, David, does, creating whatever the pledge is that is appropriate to your company, I think, is a great starting point. And then getting someone to agree to it is then a necessary step that you've got to go through. And then that, therefore, then enables everything else to follow. Because to me, then, the creation of a military network is a natural circumstance. It's a natural product of your organisation signing the Armed Forces Covenant. To do the military network first, I think, would be a bit odd. Because if you have that purpose and that desire, then get the Armed Forces Covenant signed, which is a commitment. And then with that commitment, you can leverage it. And one of the outputs can be the military network, which then enacts 
or, or delivers on the pledges in your armed forces covenant. I would say also sign up for ERS bronze because that's yeah, straight away. Commitment, yeah. you know, and and when you sign that and when you sign the covenant, that is demonstrating you need to, you are going to do something. Yeah. It's your intent. Yeah, it's your intent yeah. exactly. So, but and, and I think that's a brilliant point. And, and back to your to, to to the comment on being a silver winner previously. I think if I agree with you completely, I never thought about that because we we never did that. But mm. then. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe we should have, but the point is, if you can get the Armed Forces Covenant signed, put in um, a, an application which anyone can do on behalf of their own organisation for bronze, and ideally get bronze, the organisation will want you to get gold. It's the way it is, right? They're competitive. Yeah. And, so, and also, you can use that to say, God, we're only bronze. What we now need to do to get to where we what we should be because it matches the, co the the corporate desire and image and reputation is we've got to fill that gap in order to get to gold and so therefore that gap is this strategy part of the strategy is the military network to deliver it someone please support it CEOs by their nature are quite competitive yeah. I think <laughs> and if they see their peers get or their uh, other organizations getting gold and they're not it will uh, build their support for you to achieve gold I think it's definitely a group you don't want to be out of. Right. If that makes sense. Absolutely. You know. And we've got two gold award winners here, and yeah. you know that's something that you're striving for. Yep. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, we kind of touched on it a bit, but the kind of benefits piece. It's like, I mean, you know, how do you kind of, how do you describe the benefits of a, of a military network in your organisation? You know, it's the pitch to your senior leaders, but it's also the pitch to the individuals that you want to join. What, what can you? Is there, can you give examples? I mean, it's probably different for every organisation. In our organisation, they're built very much around those three key pillars I touched on at the start. Um, so, so one of them is easing the process to get ex-forces people or people leaving the, the MOD to join our organisation. So we know that, for example, this year we've had 40 people year-to-date joining our organisation. So it's a very tangible clearly identified benefit of not only bringing people with very good skills into our organization it yeah. also saves a lot of recruitment effort so that's one very clear benefit around the reservists it's, it's less tangible but we know we are retaining these people and we see these people gaining good skills in their in their reservist um, job yeah. and they are easily transferable to our organization we also can see the amount of money that's being raised through uh, for forces charities um, and again that's probably less tangible but it does build an esprit de corps it does build a, uh, those people are proud to belong to an organization that supports the armed forces so there's some benefits there the other benefit is the um, joining a wide network of other organizations that are doing the same thing through the the help of the DRM there's lots of networking opportunities for other organisations and many of our, our clients and our suppliers are also Armed Forces Covenant holders mm. uh, and it just helps that, that other network. So that's a key benefit that our CEO sees. I think, I think there's an element there as well about it increases the collaboration among your employees. You know, the, the, the can-do, the esprit de corps, it permeates. And so people get interested. They stick their heads up above the desk and say, you know, what's going on? Why, why are these guys doing this? And it's... Um, that's really useful because it brings other people along with it. Hence the, the whole reserve piece. It is seeing, you know, why is 
why is that 55-year-old lady who recently, one of my colleagues at 55, she joined the Royal Air Force Reserve? Excellent. Because she went on an open day and got chatting yeah. to the, the people there in the uniform. And just, they said, no, you're not too old. Come mm-hmm. and join this. And she always wanted to do it, but always talked herself out of it. You know, so suddenly that permeated. Because you think, okay, well, if she can do it at that sort of age, yeah, then why can't I do it? So, you know, so, so that's really good. And I, and I think there's the, it, it just develops a very uh, inclusive culture and, and it promotes diversity as well. Yeah. You know, it's, MOD families are a broad, diverse network of people from all races, creeds, and colours, right? So, so, and they're all working together to do something, mm-hmm. and it brings people along really well. So, I think I think we all agree, which which is probably a good thing. The from from the HSBC perspective, the the strategic outcome of the military network is to reinforce and perhaps influence the internal culture yeah. of the company. That it's got to have a positive outcome. It's got to have a positive outcome for for the employees within it. Number one, and then number two, perhaps equally as important, is the is the external reputation of the company and how how society within which we operate views mm-hmm. views HSBC, which we hope is positive, or at least we can try and influence a, a positive impression. And so, to achieve those two things, the internal bit and the external bit, the the military network focuses across four sort of key ways in which we look at benefits. The first one is a benefit for an employee. You know, that's quite easy. In some ways, if it's a reservist, let's change the HR policy to ensure we support our reservists as best as we can. And we've done that. And so reservists in HSBC get 25 days paid leave, paid leave when they're under training and then the standard 10 days paid leave beyond. Um, but also we do that for adult cadet instructors as well, something that a lot of people forget about. Previously to the military network, adult cadet instructors weren't recognised in our special leave policies at all. That's appalling. They now get exactly the same paid leave as, as reservists. That really impacts positively on employees yeah. and also encourages 55-year-olds to join the RAF reserves, perhaps, because they get the time to do so without jeopardising uh, their, own, their own leave as a consequence. That's employees, customers. Got to, we've got to positively impact our customers. We can do that, and we have done by reviewing all of our products. Yeah. You know, we, we now uh, um, offer uh, mortgages, um, travel assurance, bank accounts, etc., that are appropriate for military circumstances, whether people are serving abroad and don't have three years proof of residency or, or, or whatever. You know, but unless the network was there, the company wouldn't necessarily think about doing that. It's not intentionally creating products that don't consider uh, the, the military circumstance. It just doesn't know any better. So it's such a powerful um, tool yeah. so we, for so the armed forces community. So we give it a conscience yeah. and, and, we, and, and we give it a perspective that perhaps it didn't necessarily have previously as it's going through different product reviews. And then also there's the community bit. We fund a lot of activity in the community which allows employees to get involved in military communities which opens their minds to, to, to the pressures that families are under and, and how they cope, which is really important. And then, obviously, there's the business. If you have happy employees, happy customers, you'll always have a happy business. It's really that simple. It sounds simple when you say it like that. Yeah. So we talk about challenges as well, because you must have faced some challenges when setting up these networks, you know, people not really understanding what it's about. I mean, have you got any examples of... of, of 
the challenges you've faced and, and kind of how have you overcome them, especially for the listeners uh, of the podcast who are thinking about, wow, this is quite a big, big step. I think my, one of my immediate challenges was the fact that we are a large organisation and we're a five, you know, five businesses within our organisation. I'm but one of them. Um, so it's understanding that, first of all, so you can't bore the ocean. Um, so I thought, well, you know, I work on a site that's pretty enclosed, it's got 3,000 people on it. That's my testing area, and I'll test and adjust my ideas with this group of people, um, and then I'll, I'll sort of push it out broader, and then beyond, beyond the aerospace business. Um, and then it's sort of identifying similar-minded people in those other businesses to see what they're up to, yeah. because we have a marine business, so therefore there's naturally a, a sort of a demographic from the Royal Navy, and they're doing something, and we have... Uh, a Derby factory and there's lots of people from the Royal Air Force so they're doing something so it's understanding that as well so as ever it's preparation and gaining understanding situational awareness is key uh, and don't just charge off and do something but do something mm. you know but understand who's doing what and try and channel it and mm. that's that's one of my challenges still actually is really understanding what we're up to and where. I would concur with you Mark I mean we are slightly Larger organisation, uh, 50,000 employees spread from Aberdeen to, to Plymouth, many of whom don't have a PC doing their day job. They're a lot of them stuck in a lorry driving up and down the country. So very little contact. Um, so, so actually engaging everybody is quite difficult and you are reliant on notice boards and internal magazines and things like that. But I think that all takes time and I think one of the biggest challenges is really getting going and gathering some momentum so you know I would encourage everybody to take that leap of faith sign the covenant and get started and don't worry if it takes a year two years three years to gain some momentum you you will do so um and and don't I wouldn't say necessarily worry about having to include everybody in day one start small and it will naturally grow so so really Getting started, gaining some momentum and engaging everybody is, is probably some of the challenge. The other challenge is around budget. Um, we we are, have to be self-funding, so we all sort of use our own little budgets to sort of spend uh, where we do have any expenditure. Uh, largely, that's, that's very small and, and it can be washed, but um, it, that, that is a challenge, getting any money to do any specific activity. Um, my final point is maintaining that interest. It's great signing that covenant, but keeping that momentum going. We try and drip feed things in throughout the year. We sit down around about this time of year in, in October to try and set some objectives for next year, set a calendar of events to drip feed things into our internal communication channel once a month just to maintain that interest. The, 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 the two challenges that I think are important or, or, or potentially worth discussing uh, impatience and and time um, taking time first this isn't my day job I, the, the bank pays me to do something completely and utterly different to this and everybody that's in the network is a volunteer yeah. and they've got busy jobs too and so it's about time how, how do you you know en enable a day job and allow your ambition and, uh, and career to grow Ma manage your family potentially be a reservist and also support the military network. I mean, that's quite hard going. So think about time. So be slow, I agree. David, be slow, think small initially and just and just allow time to make its own way. Otherwise, this can become quite absorbing quite quickly 
uh, for you. Um, so think long term rather than immediate is, is probably the first, the first thing to override that particular challenge. And then there's the, your own impatience. I, I've struggled being quite impatient with the military network because I understood quite early on the, the benefit of creating a network could have in a company like HSBC and I just couldn't understand how, uh, how other people couldn't see it too. And you've just got to build a, a bit of a legacy. You've got to demonstrate your relevance mm -hmm. in order to for other people then to be able to see why they should become involved or why they should potentially change something that, that has worked for 25 years and you're asking them now to do it slightly differently or produce a new product. Oh, my word, that, that's, quite, that's quite significant it, it, in a bank and takes an enormous amount of, of governance and regulation to get through to do so and therefore cost, and so the bank has got to be able to be convinced there's a, there's a positive outcome to this kind of thing. And that, that's one example. And so being, being impatient was a challenge for me. It's long-term, and it can become absorbing. It's a side-of-the-desk activity. can become absorbing, so plan long-term. Okay. Sort of the maintenance of the, uh, the networks. About, it's about how you engage and communicate. What works, you know, you, you touched on that quite a lot of your um, your your network have, don't have a PC. They're not sat at a desk. They're actually out and about. So it's about how do you keep them interested? It's, it's a bit of everything. You use every every opportunity you can to um, raise awareness. You know, wearing a uniform to work day, for example, is perfect. People love seeing that sort of stuff. Um, and use media channels, social media. We have a Yammer site that I've now created one for our armed forces network. Okay. Um, we have an intranet um, site for all employees that, and a Defence Weekly newsletter. Okay. So, uh, but it's also, I think, um, to David's point earlier on, was drip feed. Don't search because, you, A, you might run out of stuff to say yeah. and then have nothing at the end of the year. Uh, and B, people might get a little bit bored of it because yeah. there are lots of groups. Yeah. You know, Stephen said there are lots of groups. So you make it simple and accessible um, and, and create the conditions where people are proud to identify themselves yeah. as people who do other stuff and get their stories. Don't just make it the Mark Miller show. You know, get other people to do some stuff for you as well. And is it just you driving it or is it a group of people? Do you get more people on board so that they can help you with this kind of maintenance? The Military Network has a committee which I chair, um, which is part of HSBC's governance for these type of things anyway, which initially I, I rebelled against. I don't like committees particularly sounds very traditional and conservative but actually it worked really well and so on that committee we have a, a communications lead you know who's very good very experienced and she produces what actually I think is really important a professional communication to employees that then sets a standard you know and, and sort of appeals to people as they as they open it up it looks professional you know there's it there's interesting stuff on the hsbc's got an extensive military archive which 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 we include in it in our publications as an example and so there's always we try and always include items of interest for for anybody but also make success you know mm -hmm. what, what have we achieved in in the last month or or three months and and we really put put, put banners on that and try and get pictures of, of senior leaders on there, just be, just so it appeals to to most people, and most people can see uh, that the company is right is right behind what we do. So yes, I have a comms lead in a formalised committee, and it, and she produces um, 
a great drip feed is the only way, but produces very professional uh, communication artifacts that we send out digitally mm -hmm. uh, to all of our employees. That works for us really well. Yeah, yes. Similar to Stephen, we hold a we've got a small group of workstream leaders. We hold a conference call once a month just to update our, each other on what we what activity we've been doing and what our, our planned activities are. Um, and as I mentioned before, I think our network, people join and leave mm -hmm. constantly. Um, and some of our, our sites where we may have a couple of hundred employees, they may be particularly focused on this because that site lead is interested in the Armed Forces Covenant. There'll be a lot of activity and they will have regular meetings and they'll raise lots of money. At another site, there may not be that same level of interest um, because the, the site lead does not necessarily has another passion um, so it varies but how do we maintain interest it's, it's just that constantly drip feed how do we communicate lots of variety of methods and some sites are more engaged than, than others but I, I don't think one should worry too much about it those that are interested will put their heads above the parapet those that aren't will yeah. you, you know, they're potential for the future do you have any um, examples of success stories with your network? Is there any any kind of particular proud moments that you have over the years? Is there... I think for me, um, I'm most proud of the uh, work we've done to recruit, recruit more X-Forces personnel into our organisation and particularly the way we've been able to mentor them to see their careers develop. Um, prior to the Armed Forces Covenant and the network, we would have people join our organisation and, and, and a lot of them would, particularly if they were going into management positions, would not thrive because they've come in at the wrong level and there's nobody all, uh, looking after them and, and helping them guide their way through our, uh, our, our organisation, which is extremely complex. We're now able to provide network of mentors up and down the country and enable those people to grow. Uh, and as that almost becomes self-fulfilling, as they grow, they bring more people in and it builds and builds and builds. So I'm particularly proud of, of the way we've, we've transformed that and brought more people into the organisation. We've just launched a work experience um, package, if you like, where we, um, where we offer through the Royal British Legion um, scheme for people to come and experience what it's like to work in a, in a company, because often um, that's the unknown. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm also particularly proud. So I'm particularly proud of that. We just had our first um, uh, engineer come came through and did a week's work experience with us and, and got great feedback, not only about his approach to coming in and enjoying what he did, but also the people that worked with him to say, well, actually, it's a really good scheme. And now people are constantly saying, you know, we we'll support the scheme, we really like it. So it's a pipe cleaner. I'm particularly proud of that. Um, I'm also very proud of our work we do to support um, people who. Um, are starting their own businesses. We support another non-profit organisation who um, who are doing that and we host training sessions on our sites yeah. uh, and we've got contacts across all of our sites now um, and we open up a site to people who want to come hold events with us. So that's also very good as well. Uh, I mean, there are numerous little wins. I'm yet to have the big win, okay. um, but, you know, it's 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 getting there and I'm, I'm, I'm very confident that we are creating the conditions that, that this is not just me doing it, it's, you know, if, if, if I get rid of my bus tomorrow, somebody else will do it and it won't wither on the vine, which is really important. That's a success. It's, it's, that's quite a hard question to, to answer. I suppose the, the thing that I'm personally most proud of is the fact that the, 
the military network in HSBC now is is stable, established and recognised by the company. Um, and there are lots of reasons why. Um, and so recently the, the, the network was was elevated in its status internally. Um, and so now it has a commensurate status in the company that accords to those seven other networks uh, that reinforce our commitment to the to the Equality Act um, through the through the different protected characteristics. There, we're the only other network that is not necessarily directly related to a protected characteristic that now has absolute formal recognition in the company. And that, and if anything, um, that tells me that the company is taking the network incredibly seriously. And so. And there are a multitude of successes. Why, yeah. you know, it's just take, you know, and that to me is probably a brilliant, brilliant outcome. Well, that's good to hear. Um, so, final question, really. Can you give me a, your top tip on de- developing and maintaining a military network? I think from from my side, I would um, suggest you get on and write a an armed forces covenant, so you've got a vision to sell, and then use the DRM and other organisations. Um, to mentor you through developing it as, as a gold member, we are, we are entrusted to to, to mentor other organisations and help them through the process. And certainly, I'd welcome any organisation contacting me, as I'm sure that Mark and Stephen would would, would echo that um, to, to to offer some support. Fantastic. I think it's have a purpose mm-hmm. and don't be impatient. Okay. Agreed. Totally. Agreed. And be be business focused. Um, so that your company absolutely understands what you're trying to do and why. It gives you gives you a complete purpose and focus. Excellent. Well, David, Stephen, Mark, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you. If you've enjoyed this podcast and you'd like to hear more, subscribe to us on SoundCloud or iTunes. You can also follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn and Twitter. Thank you for listening.